back, everybody. This is the Kingsman Podcast. I am your co-host, Simon Yu, with... Joey Lee. Today, season two, episode five, we're going to be talking about Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. This is the way. <laughs> oh, you threw me off, but oh, that's sorry. so good. This is the way. Um, I have spoken. Yes, that's right. Ooh, <laughs> that's the best that's, line. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, this is such an epic show. Yeah. Uh, and we wanted to like analyze it through the Christian perspective. That's right. As you know, one of the things that I'm most interested in is talking about peace versus violence. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it seems like the Mandalorian way. It's not a <laughs> yeah. uh, race. It's nope. a creed. Yes, right. That's right. And the creed is very much grounded on this system of violence, mm-hmm. right? Like um, they they believe in the survival of the fittest, mm-hmm. right? Conflict right. is good. Right. War is good. Fighting is good because it makes you stronger. Yep. And if it kills you, then that means that you didn't deserve to win or to live. Right. So right. Um, that seems very, uh, you know, non-Christian. <laughs> Because the Christian way is is not violence, right. but to lay your life down for your brother. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how do we as Christians watch this show? Why do yeah. I enjoy it so much? <laughs> right. No, that's a that's a great question, and I think one of the things is yes, you're right. Mandalore or the Mandalorian way is not a race; it is a creed. And that was explicit in the series. Yeah. Um, I think why we're so attracted to it is the religious community aspect. Um, the, I mean, you had the armorer and the mm. armorer was like the pastor. Ba- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the interpreter of yeah. all this situation. Then you also had clothing, right? There's, there was a, a specific look. Yeah. To them. It's liturgical now it's that you're lit- te- talking about it. Right. Exactly. So I think one of the reasons why we're attracted to it is is that aspect of it. There's a lot of religiosity to oh, this way. Um, the other reason I think now let's talk about the violence thing. I think hmm. is I think to understand metaphor is an appropriate approach to enjoying this series metaphor um what is a metaphor you're comparing one thing to another okay but the wisdom applied to the metaphor is you it's not all of that thing representing all of the other thing so their approach or their absolute truth that conflict is is the only way conflict and you are either both hunter and prey right that whole pursuit we disagree with as christians we totally disagree with however there especially in this show we actually see something counter to that. We actually see something that goes against the grain of survival of the fittest. Yeah. And I would argue, I would argue, yes, they still use violence. And that's something we still got to deal and tackle with. But 
we see that the main character, uh, man, the Mandalorian, I forgot his name. He, Jim uh, Jarin. Thank you, Jim Jarin. He uses his religion to protect a person that's weak. Yeah. He, he's, so this survival of the fittest mentality, I think, is not really the Mandalorian way. I think there's more nuance to it. Survival of the fittest is actually the world that the Mandalorians live, you know? And um, especially because the Empire is gone and there's this huge vacuum that's left because of it. You know, you know what I felt throughout the show is that there was no one protecting the little guy. That's right. 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 Um, and this is probably because it's a Western yeah. movie uh, yep. that time of uh that kind of a show movie yeah but it's like everybody has to fight for their own right and that's right one of the most boring episodes i thought was when there he was in the the shrimp village and he was protecting the villagers <laughs> yeah but watching it a second time i came to realize that that no one was protecting the little guy and that's so right. mando had to step up and that's protect right. them from that's right the, the the raiders right you know right or, and um yeah. That's actually not the Mandalorian way, right? Like <laughs> the Mandalorian way is, uh, if you're weak, then you will get snuffed out, right? And uh, it won't make you better or stronger, right? Um, for them, peace is a sin, but for him, he started. I guess he he looked beyond the money that they were going to give him, and he he actually wanted to strengthen them and yeah. give them the the ability to. Uh, to fight for the land and to stay in their place and to right. learn to fight for their own, right? So I'll push back a little bit. Yeah. I think the Mandalorian way that we're talking about it now is a corrupted form um, that's been influenced by the loss and the vacuum of the Empire. What we're seeing is throughout this entire show – we're seeing a reinterpretation of the Mandalorian way. Um, and because in my mind, that episode really was the Mandalorian way working, right? He's, he's making them strong instead of neglecting yeah. them and tossing them. And because that was the, that was this lawless land, right? It's just like, all you are is a price and property, you know, and, and like, mm, especially yeah. revolved around the bounty hunter guild. That's all we see of this world. It's, it's this economics of humanity, like the justice system. So freaking messed up here. There is, is no justice in that. Right. World. Because it's really literally boiled down to mercenaries and bounty hunters that are quote unquote, the law enforcement, right? But I think what we see is there's this pure form of the Mandalorian religion where the whole idea is you don't snuff out the weak, but you help make the weak stronger, you know? And um, this was, in my opinion, alluded in uh, the third or the second, the third episode where the armor says, you know, thank you for contributing to the foundlings because it's all about the foundlings. Yeah. And who were the foundlings? They were the kids 
that were basically the proselytes, the the new converts of the religion, right? And it seems like for the armor and her being like a pastor yeah. of this religion, all she cares about is protecting, nurturing, and um, discipling, if you will, mm. of foundlings. So yeah. I think what we're seeing is a reformation of this religion um, in this one season of the show. So I think it's – yeah, you're – convincing me based off of my initial research of the mandalorian mm -hmm. culture right it started right. off as a certain alien species from mandalore and theirs was a culture of war and violence and uh competition was a way to accelerate natural selection and conquering was a good in itself mm -hmm. uh, conquering was equated to happiness and well-being right right um but there is a tension in there because I would have thought that the Mandalorian would have sided with the Raiders because yeah. they're the stronger. Right. They're the fittest, let's right. say. Right. Like, right. Um, and if they conquered the villagers, the peaceful villagers, then that's, that's a good. Yeah. But there's the tension here because you're right. Like this creed I, in the last episode, when the armor like sends them off, says that you are a clan of two. Um, you have to take care of this family. There you go. That's right. Um, he, was, he was like, what is it? And she's, she doesn't care about the species of right. Baby Yoda. She, all she cares about is that Baby Yoda is a foundling. That's right. An orphan. You are by rights, until the, the thing is returned back to its family, you are its father. And it's like, wow, why is the Mandalorian culture so... Um, conflicted right like <laughs> they shouldn't be adopting orphans right or fostering them right they should be just killing them because they were the weak ones right that's right but it, there's something inherent and intrinsic in them that wants them to take care of the weak to make them strong and i think it's because i mean whatever it was in the beginning we don't know you mm -hmm. know and a lot of that lore from before Disney as like, you know, ex cathedra decides, oh, it's not canon anymore. So who knows? But okay. presuming that I think you're right. I think it started off that way. We're at a point in the series where it is creedal. And I think this is what makes a, the Christian religion very similar to the Mandalorian religion. I really believe is this because it's such a it's creedal centric it's not based off ethnicity it's not right. based on your blood it's not based on your income status no it's this whole idea that yeah. you know s survival of the strongest and but you can become strong it's not that like, oh, you're weak and that's that's it. Goodbye. See you. I think this creed interpreted by the armor is anyone who's a weak person or a foundling, if they adopt this Mandalorian creed, they can be strong, you know? And so and it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter who you are. And I think that's why Christianity was so powerful 
during the Roman Empire where the Empire says, look, this is your class and you got to be super lucky to break out of your class to go above it. But you're there and you're stuck, right? Mm -hmm. Christianity says, no, you're you're created by God. Jesus loved you enough to die and restore all creation and bring you up, you know? Yeah. And and for Paul and the early believers, it's like it doesn't matter if you're Jew or yeah, Greek, Greek. Yeah. barbarian, Scythian, it doesn't matter mm. because it's rooted on Jesus saving creation. That's our creed. Yeah. Jesus saving, has saved, will save creation. And you can be a part of that. And I think that's a parallel to the Mandalorian way with Christianity. That in essence, we as Christians are unified by, an, by a creed. Yeah. And, you know, one particular is the apostolic creed. You know, it's it doesn't say, oh, you got to be this particular person or that particular person. No, it's all about Jesus saving creation. Do you want to be a part of that? Yeah. Yeah. This is really deep because um, I don't actually see the Mandalorian as the, the savior character no, in the show. I agree. Right? I agree. Um, I actually look at Quill as the Jesus oh, figure. Oh, nice. Right? Okay. And the reason okay. why I say this is because Creel was a slave and he, yeah. and Christ took the form of a slave. That's Let's right. Let's not forget that. But he worked three human lifetimes to free his clan. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they're, they're no longer indentured. They're not slaves anymore That's right. because of That's him. That's right. That's right. And he's so selfless that he doesn't actually uh, accept the money That's to right. protect and care for Yoda. Uh, Baby Yoda. He he does it because he wants to prevent Baby Yoda from being enslaved by the em empire. Mm -hmm. So he does it for free yeah. for the right reasons. Right. And right. in the end, oh, spoiler warning! If you haven't <laughs> yeah. watched, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't watched it yet, then that's right. <laughs> you should go back and watch the show. Yeah, exactly. But in the in the end, Quill dies. He lays yeah. his life down for. Uh, protecting the other yeah you know yep. and i see this as a deeply uh christian thing mm -hmm. because god to me is all about kenosis um the pouring out of self for the other um god empties himself in order to lift up the the other capital o other right and that includes creation it includes humanity. Right. And I see Quill doing that. He is the Christ figure to me because he pours out his life yeah. so that he could benefit and save others. His, I, his own clansmen and baby. Mm -hmm. That's that's awesome. I, I didn't actually see Quill or Quill as the Messiah figure, but you're absolutely right. And if I could add to that, um, another expression of him being a, the messiah figure or him being the jesus of this story is he was also a teacher right in episode one what does he say i have spoken yeah i have spoken but he also encourages the mandalorian 
to be more Mandalorian. There oh, was yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. There scene. was that one scene where he, he had to figure out how to ride that lizard creature. Yeah. And he the says, fish with legs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, I, I, I can't figure this out. Yeah. Let's just figure out. Just let's just speeder. use speeders. Yeah, right. And what does he say? He says to him, Your ancestors rode on the great mythosaur is just like come on you know it's just like it it he affirmed Mm. that identity right and then another thing was you know um he he's he doesn't accept payment to help him to get baby yoda in episode one but all he says is this is the payment basically this is the payment i want i want peace in this land right all these bounty hunters are running amok and mm-hmm. causing chaos and destruction. Yeah. I know that you're here to help everything, and I want to participate in bringing peace. All he wants is back. peace, yeah. Exactly, and exactly. Additionally, Quill takes a dead IG-11, resurrects him. Oh, my gosh. And All right. reforms, I mean, reprograms him to turn him from a hunter into Bro. a nurturer. Okay, and I think that's what Christ does for us. You want it. You want it. He, <laughs> I think, I, you convinced me. That's so true. That's exactly right. He had resurrection power. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he took time, right? He didn't yeah. do it like in a snap, right? He. That's a good point. He took the time to train through practice and affirmation and repetition. And, and now, oh man, like the, the conversion of IG-11... Yeah, is a mirror of the conversion of uh, Jin Jarn. Wow, because the two right. were enemies. That's right. Yeah, nice. like, uh, okay. people would say, "Hey, man, you hate droids, right?" And he's like, "No, I just hate that droid." Right, <laughs> because he thinks that that droid, the nature of that droid, is to be right. a hunter and to right. be a killer. Right, and but it, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. But he isn't. He changed. Right. right. Oh, the robot changed. <laughs> And uh, yeah, go ahead. But okay, so isn't it interesting? And I'll, I I just thought of this after what you just said a millisecond ago. Yeah, isn't it interesting that that change wasn't catalyzed by the droid's decision? That change happened because Quill, aka the Jesus Jesus figure, did that transformation within him. Mm. So that. I mean, that's very applicable, applicable. I mean, I know for my own testimony and my own journey in faith, um, there's countless times where it says, dude, this change is not me. Yeah. It was the Holy Spirit that in his mercy transformed me, you know, it's just like, so there's that. But um, I was going to say the reason why the Mandalorian hates droids is it's due to the trauma of violence, right? He, as a kid, he saw a droid ready to kill him. And he assumes that, um, he, that droid killed his parents. So that led to him having this traumatic experience with droids and causing him to have this hatred for all droids, you know? And so, yeah. But yeah, I, I hate to skip to the end, but like um, the last scene where the helmet finally comes off, and uh, and also the the self sacrifice that IG Eleven does to make sure that 
um, Baby Yoda and the rest of the team are alive. That to me was like very, very, uh, this is so Christian, right? Because, yeah. you know, like uh, Jin Jaren, he actually executed the IG-11 initially. <laughs> That's right. That's right? right. But in the end, the droid... Uh, says that he's going to self-destruct because that's the only way that he could keep his first protocol, which mm, was to nurture to protect, and to yeah. protect uh, that's right. Yoda. So, um, wow. But then, but then Jin Jarn was like, "No, you can't. You can't kill yourself. You can't destroy yourself." And it's it's funny that like it started out in hate, but it ends in love. Right. And and I don't know, man. It was so good. It just hits me deep inside. You know, so in the beginning, in in episode one, he says, "Don't, don't self destruct because yeah. it's gonna inflict pain mm, on me." True, yeah. He was he was thinking about himself, survival, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He then, and just hearing what you're saying, he then says the same thing in episode eight where it's just like don't self-destruct but it's not because of my survival it's not because i'm gonna get hurt because you genuinely protected this baby you genuinely transformed and i need you i need you you know and um but you know some and this is this is the sadness of the sinful world is you know, selfless beings tend to die, you know, and, 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 and it's horrible for me just laughing right now, but th that these wonderful people are willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good, um, because it's a reflection and hopefully a partial remedy to the brokenness and the sinful nature, yeah. uh, sinful, corruption of creation that we're yeah. living in right now i think so. it's interesting because um at first when uh the mando came back and like asked and he tried to hire quill and then the droid walks in with his teacups right and <laughs> yeah. uh he's like that that droid can't help us he can't come <laughs> along and right. this is what quill says he's like uh droids are are neutral tools that reflect their makers do you trust me if you trust me yeah, then you trust good. my my work that's good and you know what quill was a martyr mm. he gave up his life to protect others yeah as a testimony because that's what the word martyr means right testimony right. Or, or witness he's a witness right to, uh, that love is stronger than violence or slavery yeah. right yeah and because he's the maker of ig11 IG-11 does the same thing. Oh, he lays down his nice. life as a martyr wow. Wow. to save others. Okay. Because the work reflects the maker. Yeah. And um, that just rings Ephesians for me. That uh, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5. Uh, it's the NIV translates it as we are God's workmanship. Mm -hmm. We are God's workmanship. But that word in it itself is the same word that we get poem from. So we are this poesis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or poema poesis or poema. But the whole idea is that 
there was creativity involved, there was artistry involved, and that produces life. And and here's a weird paradox that for Christians is the furthering of life is us willing to sacrifice our lives for that proliferation, you know? And that's that's what we see in Quilt, and that's what we see in IG-11, yeah. so. I actually think we, we also see that in Baby Yoda as well. Uh, every time he saves someone, yeah. you see him get exhausted because he expends his life energy and life force to... Uh, either protect others or to heal others, you know. And my, when in, in chapter two, Baby Yoda saves Mando from yeah. the mudhorn. Uh, it was an epic scene. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this show is gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but he lifts. Uh, he like levitates the mudhorn. Right. And my question is like, why does y- Baby Yoda save Mando? Hmm. I mean, technically, Mando is uh, a mercenary capturing Baby Yoda to deliver him to the the people that hired him just for money, a bounty. Right, right. Uh, and maybe Baby Yoda is a baby, and so he doesn't understand. But there's something in him that wants to protect others. Right. So why? I, I don't have an answer for that. And... I don't think we should speculate, you know? It's just like, I think there's... So... You brought Quill as the Jesus figure yeah. in in this. I I'll, I will argue that stories will have multiple Jesus figures because I feel that Yoda or Baby Yoda was in a way a Jesus figure as well. And so let's just presume because we don't know why within the series, but let's just presume that it's innately within baby Yoda to love and care. It's his character. Mm, It's his character, you know? And for God, I mean, we as human beings in Christianity, outside Christianity, we've took it upon ourselves for 2000 years to figure out why God loves us. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, he created us, sure, but like, why, why? And we've made, we've wrote poems about it, did paintings about it, movies about it, you know, dissertations about it. Hmm. But we, we, we still really don't know. But in essence, it's his character. It's his character to care. Hmm. It's his character to love, you know? And, um, so for me, I think baby Yoda, is a Christ figure as well. And I'll talk more about that later, but I want to specifically talk about this scene with the mud horn. Um, if, if you allow, uh, so one of the things that I was thinking about for, for our podcast was, um, intertextuality and Robert Alter's um, The Art of Biblical Narrative. I had to do a report on one of his chapters when I was in college. And it was the whole idea of convention. And basically, in a nutshell, what convention is, is like, you have 
motifs and tropes in stories. So for him, he used a Western. So like in old school Westerns, if a character wears the white hat, the white banana, bandana, the white <laughs> pants, you know what I'm saying? You're going to assume that he's the good guy, you know, and if, you know, and he's going to have a pistol on his right hand, you know, and stuff like that. So that's a, that's convention. Um, however, what makes convention so interesting is when you break the tropes, when you break the motifs. And and so his example was, OK, you have the good guy, but he he's not strong. He's actually he, one of his arms hmm. is invalid and he has a rifle slinged onto his shoulder. And so what he does is in a shootout, he just swings the rifle and that's yeah. how he, he fights bad guys. So all that to say, Star Wars and any new Star Wars story is a break of convention, but it's also intertextuality, meaning you're supposed to read things from old Star Wars st stories into new Star Wars stories. So... The Mudhorn, the pit. We've seen that pit scene all everywhere in Star Wars. Yeah. One, for example, the original Empire Strikes Back. Luke Skywalker goes into a pit. He figures, he figures, um, he sees his himself and he destroys him. And the whole idea is that he triumphs out of his temptations. He triumphs out of his fears. He triumphs over the dark side and he's the chosen hero, right? We also see that in Ray in, in episode nine. She goes into the pit. She runs away. She goes into another pit. She triumphs, you know, and what that message for me always implies is that as long as you believe in yourself, as long as you overcome and choose to overcome, you will triumph out of the pit. OK, here's how Mandal Mandalorian breaks that convention. Okay. He goes into the pit. He gets knocked down right he, not only he goes into the pit he's thrown out of the pit <laughs> and he's he's basically stampeded by the creature so his chaos destruction that he's supposed to vanquish in the pit actually comes right out yeah. to kill him right and for me that is in essence the life of the Mandalorian. You're always going to get conflict. You're never going to triumph over conflict. And there was one moment where it, it seemed like the Mandalorian is done. The Mudhorn was about to boom, right? And what happens? Just like you said, Baby Yoda intervenes. Mm -hmm. Baby Yoda intervenes. He saves the Mandalorian. And this is the break of convention. The pit story in Star Wars was a, an achievement of self victory, an achievement, achievement over the worst self. Triumphing is the better self. It's all me. It's all humanistic. I, I'm the one that did it. I pat myself on the back. In The Mandalorian is, no, someone else helped you out of the pit. Someone else saved you out of the pit. And that's 
Christianity. You know, we're yeah. all in the pit. We're all fighting mm-hmm. our worst selves. Mm-hmm. We're also fighting spiritual beings yeah. that want to destroy us. And we get knocked down over and over and over again into the mud. It's mm-hmm. only by the grace of a greater being that we're saved, you know? And um, so for me, that was one of those pivotal moments for to see baby Yoda as a Christ figure and the message of the pit. So, yeah, yeah, I I can see that. Like the, you don't notice the stereotypes or the, the tropes until they're broken until they don't. Yeah. um, You expect something. That's and when right. it doesn't happen, then you realize, oh, there was something to expect in the first place. Um, in this case, you expect the hero to be like ultra powerful and can right. figure out everything. And right. he can save himself uh, until you realize that he's not as powerful as you think. And <laughs> yeah. he needs help from, from, from the outside. Right. Right. And I think you're totally right. Like this is a, a Jesus moment where like we all try to save ourselves, but we need an an outsider, an intercessor yeah. to come yes. in and save us. That's right. Um, and even the covert's armorer, uh, when he when she asked him about it, he's like, she's like, why would an enemy help you in battle? Huh. And he didn't have an answer for that. Besides, he thought that it didn't think Yoda I was did, his enemy, right? Yeah, so. didn't think that he was an enemy. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like Jesus comes and saves us. Like our enemy saves us right yeah. that's yeah. the like we make god the enemy and that's god right. comes and saves us that's a good point um, that's a very good point uh, so i asked you earlier why did baby yoda save mando and okay. you, you said that yeah. it's probably baby yoda's character similar to how god we don't know why god saves us and loves us except mm-hmm. that it's god's character to love um and i think you're totally right about that i think there's this uh deep embedded love and compassion and empathy in baby Yoda. But there's that scene where, uh, Cara Dune was arm wrestling the Mando. Right. And, and baby Yoda didn't get it. He just, he thought that she was, uh, hurting Mando, his, his protector. Right. So she, he starts force choking her. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, dang, that's a Darth Vader kind of a move, you know? Right. And I think that even if Baby Yoda has this like embedded empathy uh, and he's for- sensitive to the force, he still hasn't been taught the way of the light side. Right. The Jedi way. You know, he's, he's just operating by pure power, but he does not have discernment yet. Uh, he needs to be taught that. Yes. Yeah. So that's a very good point. And this. This is problematic that I'm perceiving in the next season because he's not going to be trained as a Jedi. (laughs) He's going to be trained as a Mandalorian. So what would that look like when baby Yoda grows up? But um, another layer of meaning that I saw, especially because, you know, we're going through the Gospel of Mark, um, is at that scene um, was there's God... God is a lion, according to C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the warrior. Yeah, that's right. 
And there's be, because of the that fact of his wildness, there's a fear aspect to God, right? And so, and we see that in the Gospel of Mark that many times his disciples were terrified. They were freaked out. Even when he was doing good things, even when he did amazing miracles, he they were terrified, you know? Hmm. And so for me, what does that convey? It conveys that Jesus, baby Yoda, is powerful. He is powerful. And that's that was another reason why I thought that Baby Yoda was also a Jesus figure in this story is because he has this innate powerfulness within him shrouded by a shell of innocence and weakness, you know? And mm. so there's that weird paradox mm. of incarnation, right? You have the creator God incarnated it in flesh in human form and i think baby yoda really conveys that well he has force he's he's force incarnate and he and as a child he doesn't know how to use it but because he doesn't know how to use it ethically um it conveys the powerfulness of this person of, of baby Yoda yet even though he's still a child even though he looks and perceived to be as weak yeah yeah I, I was so mad when one of the mercenaries like picked him up and then the, the, the ship started shaking and they dropped baby Yoda I was <laughs> yeah. like man you're the worst right. adult ever <laughs> um, but right. then there was another scene where like a, a, a rookie bounty hunter like tries to abduct baby yoda and like you get him as a ransom yeah he gets shot and drops baby yoda but baby yoda like somehow like escaped and like went around the corner <laughs> and I, right. I looked over at esther and i was like i think baby yoda is way more capable than you think like yeah it's like jesus right when people try to capture jesus he yeah. just kind of like walks through them right exactly <laughs> exactly uh, there you go the text doesn't say anything beyond that he didn't fight them he didn't yeah. do like a kung fu jujitsu like move on them he just walked through them right. whatever they threw at jesus it it couldn't hurt him because he was i don't know able or capable mm -hmm. and i felt like man I think Baby Yoda's like that. He looks weak. He <laughs> right. looks fragile and vulnerable. But really, he's stronger than you think. So, I mean, because he's 50 years old, right? Yeah. And so, like, so... And I know IG-11 said that certain species age differently, right? But we assume that, oh... That just means he's just a kid at 50. We don't really know that. You know what I'm saying? So that's a good point. Some that's a good point. Speculate that um, when he was on the ship, they were flying back to meet uh, the, the head bounty hunter guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He grabbed the, the ship's control and the ship started to shake a lot. They thought that he was just messing around like a, like a baby. Right, right, there's right. speculation that... Baby Yoda knew that they were flying into a trap, and he oh. wanted to steer them away. Okay. Well, I guess he didn't know how to fly a ship, but <laughs> the the point still stands is that 
I think he's he knows more than we think. Exactly. Right. Hashtag more than meets the eye. Right. And that's that's Jesus. <laughs> that's exactly Jesus. Right. That's that's one of the reasons why I think Judas had to kiss Jesus in order to betray him because mm-hmm. it's at night. It's at it's at um it's at night. But why? I think because there was no distinct marker of Jesus to recognize him among his disciples, right? And so he's more than just meets the eye. Everyone assumes what he should be or what he's supposed to be, but we miss him hmm. because we hmm. we don't see so the Jesus that look we like expect. A king or a revolutionary no, that's or like right. a, a James Bond hero, right? Like yeah, he's like right. a commoner. Right. And or, Judas uh, needed to identify him with a kiss. Or a green skinned <laughs> alien baby, you know? And so yeah. um but yeah, that's exactly right. That that was one of my understandings of the kiss. It mm-hmm. was it was one to show the affection of a student to the teacher, but because at night they it was difficult for them to recognize Jesus mm-hmm. among his disciples. You know, and so that's why he had to point him out, you know, and um, and so uh, but yeah. yeah, so I wanted to talk about that betrayal um, and how baby Yoda conveys uh, Jesus in this way as well. What happens? Uh, Mando basically sells him for, quote unquote, 30 pieces of silver, mm. you know. He was betrayed. You know, he was handed over by the empire or the vestige of empire so that they would use him as whatever they feel that they're going to use him. Right. And so we even see the Judas experience, the Judas account with Mando, but Mando is not Judas. He's. Also, Peter. Mm. And what happens is the spoils of that is used to transform him. After he gets the Baskar, uh, the Baskar medal, he gets new armor. Baskar, thank you. He gets new metal. And remember, the Mandalorian's armor is basically their skin. So he's becoming a new creation. He's becoming a new creation. After he becomes this new creation, that's when he goes and tries to save baby Yoda. And so for me, the betrayal is switched over. But the whole idea is for me is this Mando has to have the experience of a sinner. And that, I mean, you know, that was actually the title of chapter three, Mm -hmm. the sin, you know, he had to experience being a a sinner to truly understand the importance of baby Yoda, you know? And so for me, that betrayal, that sin helped him better understand how powerful Yoda is. Yoda's not just a kid. Yoda is some baby Yoda is someone more someone that has this Mm -hmm. innate power within him and I have to protect that I have to protect this weak being this this was the shift 
this was, in my opinion, the shift in Chapter 3, where the Mandalorian way was once survival of the wittest, destroy the weak. For him, it's the Mandalorian way is the strong will survive and protect the weak, you know, and um, and he he becomes a new creature. He becomes new creation uh, from that. And this reminds me of Genesis, you know, when Adam and Eve fall. What does God do? He doesn't destroy them and eliminate them. Even though he said that he would after them partaking of the fruit, what does he do? He clothes them. So even though they were in disobedient sin, he shows mercy and grace by clothing them. And we see that language in Paul. You are a new creation. Take Take off your old clothes, put on new clothes. And if I if I may add in parallel to the Mandalorian, his new armor makes him new creation. Ephesians five, Ephesians five, put on the full Hmm. armor of God. You were once sinners. Jesus restores you now clothe yourself in new armor ephesians 5 is mandalorian bro (laughs) you know so so yeah yeah. um earlier you were talking about the pit right and i think it's it's a literary metaphor um i don't think the pit was the the fight with the mudhorn i think the pit was the the knob on the lever the reason why i say this is because this is where he actually changes Okay. Uh, yeah. he, he finds himself. That's right. His true self. His true self is that he is an orphan who is saved by Mandalorians. And he just dropped off an orphan oh, and wow. sold off an orphan wow. as a Mandalorian. Yeah. And I think he, he realized how um, counter that was to his own story. He was betraying himself. Right. Because the Mandalorian saved him. That's good. That's and good. now he's casting off a, an orphan to die. And I don't think he could live with that guilt. And when he, he tried to fly the ship off and the, the the knob on the lever wasn't there, he was like, oh, this is my fault. There is an innocent child right. who he doesn't know what they're going to do to him. And he's like, I can't live with myself if I leave him to die like this. Yeah, and That's his conversion moment where he okay. finds his real identity Again, as a savior, in the same way as the Mandalorian who first reached out his hand and pulled him out of that first pit when he was a child. There you go. You know, and I think think it's so profound because um, he finds himself when he gives himself up, right? Like he... That's it. He had to face like 50 soldiers, (laughs) mind you, that were stormtroopers, so they're like that. (laughs) <laughs> dangerous <laughs> yeah but he he risks himself to save another and he breaks his code he breaks the guild's honor he mm-hmm. breaks the bounty he even breaks the mandalorian uh like way of violence and, and war and he he goes and saves somebody a weakling yeah and but in doing that he finds himself truly that's right. And and then if I add to that, he also provides a um, clearer 
Mandalorian way, right? It's like he's connecting his past with his present experience and he's realizing, okay, and then with the help of the armor connecting those dots together as a pastor, it's like, okay, I interpreted the Mandalorian way as being a bounty hunter, right? And, you know, and this is another break of convention because Boba Fett was the first ever Mandalorian to in, to be introduced yeah. to us. Yeah. And everyone loved <laughs> Boba Fett, even though apparently he's not that great, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and um, Technically, he's not a Mandalorian. Right. He has exactly. the armor. Right. He, That's right. Right. And, and so, so for... For Mando, um, he he presumed that the best way to exercise being a Mandalorian is to be a bounty hunter, right? But what we see in this series is like, no, there's something, there's a higher calling mm. for a Mandalorian, and in this case, it's to adopt weak individuals as foundlings so that they in turn can learn the Mandalorian way, be stronger and continue the Mandalorian creed um, through history. So yeah. that's, that's good. That's really good. You know, you're right. Um, when they were trying to free the prisoner, um, he had captured all of the people who had betrayed him. And the last guy, the guy, uh, I think his name was, uh, it starts with a Q. Uh, Chin? Kin? I don't know. I, yeah. The last guy. The last blue yeah. dude. Um, he's like, you have to finish the job. Aren't you a man of honor? Uh, and he's relying on the Mandalorian code of honor of like, you mm -hmm. always finish the job. You ask no questions. And and I think you're right. But what is it? what does it mean to be honorable? It's not mm -hmm. just to finish the job. It's to protect right. Baby Yoda. Right, that was the That's higher right. protocol, uh, right. primary protocol for uh, for the Mandalorian. His secondary protocol is to finish the job, you know, and he does both. Yeah. So I, I I think this whole show is all about betrayal and what do you do with it, right? Yeah, right. So you have right. the first Judas scene with Mando sells off the baby Yoda, baby Yoda. For, the, yeah. for the best car. Yeah, but you also see that. The, the team of people who were rescuing the prisoner, they betrayed him. Mm -hmm. But then the doors close and the brother is willing to betray his sister. Right. Right. And right. then That's right. Mando, you know, he gets out of that situation. He flies back. He gets the money and they flies off and they betray him again. They try to <laughs> blow us up his ship. Yeah. And and then also in the last episode where the, the old uh, Imperial officer he gets betrayed yep. by moff gideon yes right that's so right betrayal is a theme that comes up very regularly throughout the whole show interesting um i don't know what it means but i think it's uh that's the kind of world that that the mandalorian is set in right no one can trust each other right well let me let me let me take a stab at it. Okay. Let me take yeah. a stab at it. I think I didn't notice that, but you are absolutely right. This world is the way that it progresses is through betrayal. I will also add that's the Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's basically Game of Thrones. It's how do you coordinate 
betrayal that will work in your favor and protect yourself from others that'll betray you, right? Um, and that's, I would take a stab here. That's empire. That's empire mentality. That's, that's the whole idea is like, what do I do to keep my position up on top? Betraying those that will help me remain on top and protect myself from those that'll portray me because they too want to be up top. The, and, and sadly, when empire is gone, that ethic that that worldview is still happening it's and what if maybe sadly our world there's vestiges of that in our world too you know quote unquote the corporate ladder you know what i'm saying and just like and how do you overcome that how do you how do you break the cycle if you will and i think there's an answer. And what is that answer? Betrayal. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm not justifying betrayal, but it's betraying or handing over that worldview. And I think that's Christian through and through. The whole idea is that the world functions with betrayal, handing people over. Hmm. It functions that way. Yeah. I'm going to betray that worldview. I'm going to hand that over, destroy it, throw it in the pit. Um, or I want to participate in another world. Mm. I want to participate in a world that says betrayal is not the way mm. that protecting weak, protecting the weak, um, protecting them from the strong and the hungry that's the way. I I'm gonna let that betrayal world go, betraying it, and affirm another way. So yeah, that, that's very interesting. You're like giving them a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> that's right? right. That's exactly right. Yeah. When I when I see the Mando save the child, he becomes everyone's enemy. Right. Right. Per it's persecution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yeah. he didn't follow their way of of violence you know in that's fact, right you could probably say it's intolerance of tolerance <laughs> right like he wanted yeah. to be a good guy and save people right right and so they try to kill him for saving people yeah and then they wouldn't stand yeah. it like the way of the world uh, or let's say the way of this world is violence right. and domination and oppression right and if you yeah. don't play by that rule then they'll try to take you out and um i i feel like how do you break this um, kind of like ethos of betrayal. The opposite of betrayal is is trust, right? Yeah. The, well, I guess the opposite of mistrust is trust. And right. I, it's something that I see in all of the friendships that the Mando develops, right? Like Bingo. first, I think it's you're right. yeah. purely monetary, right? Like right. he meets IG-11, they want to split the bounty, right? right? At first he meets Quill and he wants to pay him for help for yeah. you know traveling across the desert at first he wants to pay Cara Dune so that she can help him out in the village it all starts out financial right but they develop relationships of trust over time and i really yeah. liked how they had the arc develop the the character arc for each of the characters but the biggest 
development of trust I see is between Mando and IG-11. The only thing that sees Mando's face is his enemy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He's like, I need to take off this helmet. Yeah. And then he's like, no living person has ever seen my face since I put on the helmet. And he's like, well, I'm not a living thing. Yeah. And that's right. I just think that I, I view the armor differently than you. Okay. I think the armor very much is in, like what we were talking about in the our episode on the Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. is that stormtroopers and um, Kylo Ren's crew, they wear armor to protect themselves. They right. don't want to be vulnerable. They are insecure. Yeah. And every time that the Mando uh, upgrades his armor, he has flashbacks of his childhood trauma. Oh, okay. And, uh, okay. One of my the YouTube videos that I watched, it was either from the New Rock Stars or, or or Emergency Awesome. They were saying that like it's it's a traumatic event. So every time he gets more armor, he relives the trauma, hmm. and he puts on more armor to protect himself, like a band aid, right? Okay. Like a band aid, yeah, right? Okay, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a security blanket or a crutch, yeah, right. And so he becomes strongest to me he becomes strongest not when he puts on more armor but when he takes his helmet off then he is truly strong then Mm. he's truly himself he reveals his real face to someone to a former enemy to a friend right and uh i feel like how do you break uh, a world of betrayal you start to trust people and you start to put your life in their hands and Mm. then in the end Everyone can live, you know? Yes, right. And so in regards to the monetary, you know, economics, you know, the whole idea of, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an, an economist in no way, shape or form, but the whole idea of free market capitalism and currency is a, I think, the cheapest form of trust. Mm. It's a contract, yeah. right? Transaction. Like the, Exactly. It's transactional. Like I'm going to pay you to do something, you know, and, and, and that's it. It's, it's the basic form. I don't know you. Um, I, you're a stranger to me. I mean, how can I trust you? It's through this monetary gain. And that's the base level, right? That's the base level. Everything above that is something that humanity needs to endeavor to achieve that I shouldn't trust you because I'm paying you. I should trust you because one, we're, we all have the same goal or two, I love you, you know, and just like, oh, and you love me and that, you know, um, or also for an enemy, when someone does something that an enemy is not supposed to do. So one example in chapter seven is, he gets he gets um mangled by like that flying yeah. creature you Game know dragon yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um for some reason they flew all over westeros Jeez. just to get yeah. to this planet <laughs> um but um he gets injured uh i forgot the guy's name but uh, yeah. the boss man yeah. the guild the guild boss right. what does Yo- baby yoda do heal him mm-hmm. like he he told him look i'm going to i was planning to kill you and bring baby Yoda to this guy. But he healed me. 
something's different. Mm. You know, he, I mean, I saw this person as just a transaction. Yeah. I saw this person as just property. An object to be sold that and traded. Is, that's right. That's right. But that object became a person to me. Someone that I can trust. Why? They healed me. They yeah. healed me. And I think, I mean, it just, going back to the New Testament, it's just like the, the demoniac, the demoniac in Mark, you know, it's just like, my allegiance is to Jesus. I don't care if I'm a Gentile. I don't care of who I am. Yeah. My allegiance is to Jesus. Why? He healed me. He healed Liberated. me. You know? And so, he, exactly. Exactly. And and in a way, that healing liberated also the guild boss from mm-hmm. this empire mentality. Right? And he's, he's siding now with with Mando, a little bit. so I mean, he's still going to be a bounty hunter. That's bonus, that's true, but, but it takes right. time. Like, Conversion think, takes time. <laughs> baby steps. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think that this is a great lesson in trust. Here is that you can't learn to trust someone. Oh, trust doesn't happen until someone s- takes the initiative. Somebody right. has to uh, deal the first sacrifice. Right, the, a free and unobligated gift. Right, Baby Yoda volunteered himself to heal yeah. uh, the guild boss yeah. for no no payment. They're not friends; they have no relationship, and Baby Yoda heals him. And that's how you build trust. I yeah. feel like in our uh, uh, personal relationships, trust only happens when someone. Uh, gives up a little sacrifice at, at first to trust, yeah, yeah, uh, to give a free gift. And then the other person can be like, oh, wow, this person helped me for no reason other than because they wanted to help me. Right. And that is, in fact, how we learn to trust God, because we've come to realize that God loves us and saves us for no other reason than the fact that he just wants to. And, and the, that's how we can learn to trust God. Yeah. And, and so practically, you know, what does that look like? This is the mission of the church, right? We are his hands and feet. We're the ones to show and offer that sacrificial gift to people, you know, and that's in essence what ministry is, is to let people know, look, you can trust this God. We want to show you that we can trust this God. Um, another thought I had with what you just said, too, is is sometimes that offering, that sacrifice is showing vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know. And so my willingness to be vulnerable to you, with you, um, I think that's a huge form of trust, you know. It's just like because the whole idea is, I mean, literally in, the, in a metaphorical sense, I'm being naked before you, you know? And so it's just like, and for me, it's just like, I'm showing you my scars, my warts, my mm-hmm. damage and blemishes yeah. um, because I want to show that I want to trust you. So, you know, I hope you don't exploit that, you know, yeah. and just like, and there's that relationship right. there. Vulnerability. So, yeah. Um, I felt like the show, this is probably my last point here. But okay. I feel like the show was a lot about moving from general prejudices to specific trust, right? Yeah. In the sense that 
um, the Mandalorian, he didn't trust any droid. He hated all <laughs> right. droids. Even the mechanic, the three mechanic ones who with the yeah. tin hat. The, he didn't trust any droid at all. Right. But Quilly was saying, um, this droid is good because I'm its maker. Yeah. It's a his primary protocol you, is to nurture and to protect and that's it right. and he's like nah man you can't change the nature of the ro- the droid but eventually he learns that he can trust it trust another, my word yes you can trust, trust my, my word right yeah and in another instance um when they met the armorer in the covert uh he was like this baby yoda can move objects with its mind and she's like ah oh. I've heard of such things before. <laughs> there was an we the the Mandalorians used to have an enemy of sorcerers who could do such things called the right. Jedi. Right, 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 and right. So uh, the uh, uh, the Mandalorian was like, "Is he an enemy?" And she says, "It's kind were enemies, but not this individual one." That's good. Right. Uh, this one is a foundling. It is your child. It's your father. It's your duty by creed to protect this child and to re- reunite it with its uh, kind. Wow. And I was thinking like, man, our world outside of the Star Wars universe is very prejudiced. Uh, we, we like to lump people, all people of a certain color, all right. people of a certain political party, all people of a certain like religion, right? We just, or economic status, or economic right? Status, yeah. right? They're all bad. They're all nasty and gross, and you can't trust them. But then you realize that you can't lump, you can't generalize like that. You know, like s- specific individuals yep. have their own specific traits and yep. character and attitude, and you have to deal with them on a one-to-one basis. So, but so Jin Jaren, he had to learn that he can trust this droid. And he can trust this baby Yoda. Right. And this shock trooper. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a great lesson. I think, and you know, this is what makes great storytelling great. It it teaches us and provides new language of old ideas. I think what you're epitomizing is forgiveness. It's it, grace, that's exactly acceptance. what it is. Forgiveness, grace, acceptance. That's right. Unconditional love. And the, and and it's rooted in the creedal idea, right? When Jesus comes, he's not saying, oh, it's just Israel, ethnic Israel, you know? It's all of creation. I have saved or I am going to save yeah. or I will fully mm-hmm. restore all of the creation. Of God is open to Jew and Gentile, male or and, female. And one of those things is... One of those tangible applications is not to hold grudges anymore, hmm. right? Yeah. You know, the whole idea is like, you know, my dad, my dad, um, he he got killed in the war by this specific yeah. soldier, you know? And that means all these people are evil because of that. No, you got to let go of that grudge. You got to let, let that go. You have to forgive that because... That person, you know, is just that individual person, you know, yeah. and so I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, 
my my final thought would be the whole idea that the empire's fallen and there's a vacuum mm. and sadly unless you have a plan to replace something in that um it's going to it's going to deteriorate into more violence, chaos, destruction. That's what that guy, that Nazi dude (laughs) said in episode eight, you know, it's like, what did your revolution produce? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Uh, And it reminds, uh, the empire was supposed to have brought prosperity and safety and security. Exactly. And it reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew, when an evil spirit is cast out of the house, you know, if the house is empty, that evil spirit after wandering around is going to get him and seven of his friends and come back in. You know what I'm saying? And you need to replace that vacuum with something else, you know? Um, Another idea I was thinking was Nahum. Nahum celebrated and praised God that the Assyrian Empire fell. But knowing all the complexities, that means perhaps more warlords, more more violence. So why would Nahum the prophet celebrate that? I think it's because he knew that God was on his side and God established a community with him. You can't survive alone once an empire falls. You can't be by yourself. You can't be a Mandalorian and the single Mandalorian, even if you enjoy four to one odds, (laughs) you can't survive in that vacuum. You need a community. And that's what the Mandalorian had. He had his his co- covert, and then he also had the shock trooper yeah. and and Quill, even IG Eleven and his guild boss. He had community to survive that. And and it's it's an old teaching, but there's no such things as Lone Ranger Christians. There's no such mm. thing as a Mandalorian solo mm. Christian. Yeah. You need to live and survive and therefore thrive in a community. You need to have sisters and brothers in Christ supporting you, being unified in a single mission. And and I think Mandalo- M- Mando found that, saw that. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I... I- I agree with you that like when you replace an evil regime, you have to put in like a a, a godly regime. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Sh- short of Jesus coming back, I That's don't right. know that any humans could have a perfectly running yeah. just system, like just right. government, right? Right. Uh, it's too complicated for me to wrap my mind around. All I can think of is that we each individually have to do our best to be kind and good. Yeah, to each that's other, right. Right. And yeah. yeah. And that's, I'm sorry, the go villagers ahead, go ahead. at the uh, shrimp farm, I don't think they had like a solid uh, st- a structure of authority, right? That's right. They were all just together made decisions right. to benefit oh, each I other see. and okay. protect yeah. each other, you know, and no one was in charge, um, but everyone worked together to for the, the better good, for the common good, you know? Right. Maybe that's the only and, way for now. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's one of the, one of the reasons why I'll have some sliver of skepticism for any kind of revolution. But two, um, 
this is the reason why a creedal movement is important because the creedal movement means in order for it to make it your creed, you have to take ownership of that said creed. You know, it's mm. like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, my dad, he's the pastor, so I'm okay. No, that's that's not true. It's the individual responsibility. Yeah. It's that individual that's responsibility that's driven by, like you said, the common good that that will make society better. And will be fully realized mm. when yeah. Christ I returns. I do like that. So. Um, one of the scenes where near the end, uh, when the covert uh, armor was talking to Mando, he was like, wait, you expect me to search the galaxy to find the planet where this child is from and return an enemy back to its enemy kind, right? And yeah. she's like, that's the way. This is the creed. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't make financial sense, any practical sense. It's not economically good for you. You Mm. might die in the process, but you have this overriding objective that guides your life. And I think that's very powerful. And I think Christians have the same objective to like, um, against all odds, despite all like earthly wisdom, you have to be loving and you yeah. have to do what's best for your neighbor. That's right. And you have to care and love your for your neighbor. It doesn't make sense. But that's our way. That's our yeah. creed. And yeah. if, if we can all live according to such a creed, this world might be a more peaceful place. Amen. That is the way. <laughs> That concludes this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Catch us on social <laughs> so, media. And, that's uh, right. If you have any requests, let us know. I would be happy to oblige. Yeah. And pick our brains on it. So God bless but. everybody. Have a good 2020.